1 to 20, verses 8 from 1 to 21. This can be found in your Pew and IV Bible on page 1605. Page 1605. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from the hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in that time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by perseverance produce a crop. No one likes a lamb and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed instead. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing can conceal that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came in to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. This is the word of the Lord. 
Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word read to us. We pray that these words may lodge in our hearts and may do their work of bringing transformation to grow a crop that is good and abundant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the last three months, the first quarter of the year, we've looked at how God prepares His people for the arrival of the Messiah. And we've looked at what discipleship to the Messiah looks like, the way of discipleship over several weeks. And so this month, apart from Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, we will be looking at encounters with Jesus that change lives. People don't encounter Jesus in a vacuum. Uh, They come to him as they are. We come to Jesus as we are with our histories, our wounds, our joys, and, and whichever life situation that we are in at that moment when we encounter Jesus, it's all there. You know, one of my lecturers once said, the seminaries are very good at preparing us to look at a Bible text, to interpret it, to do what we call exegesis, and to understand the background to the text and all that kind of thing. But not as good in training people to look at people, in understanding people. And so in the text this morning, we find that Jesus does exactly that. He prepares his disciples about the types of receptivity to the Word of God that they are going to find in the people they approach. Because in chapter 9, if we skip ahead a little bit, we find Jesus sending out the twelve to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Quite specific things Jesus gives them to do. And so Jesus prepares them for the different responses they will encounter as they proclaim the kingdom, kind of like a snapshot of people's condition at that point in time when they approach them. And maybe, just maybe, we need to take note of these types of soil as we invite our friends to Alpha over the next few weeks. Not that we should be discouraged, but to be aware of where our friends and our family members are when we issue the invitation. The parable that we heard read is commonly known as the parable of the sower. But I think the common English Bible is more correct in calling it the parable of the soils, basically because it is mainly about how the different soils receive the seed and how the seed grows. And so in the message, Eugene Peterson uh, puts it as the parable of the seeds. This is one of the few parables, if you notice, if you read through the Gospels, it's one of the very few, maybe the only one that Jesus actually gives an explanation to. Because parables are not meant to be uh, explained. They are like jokes. One scholar has said, you know, parables 
are like good jokes. You either get it or you don't. But if you get it, you enter the world of the storyteller. You begin to see new things that the storyteller, in this case Jesus, wants to bring us. And so let's get into this parable. And I want to take it from a slightly different angle. We've always understood this parable or interpreted this parable to mean uh, the soils or the receptivity in different people as they encounter God's Word or as God's Word comes to them. I want to suggest an interpretation that says or that this parable describes the receptivity of our hearts in the different seasons of life. And so for each one of us, we may find our, our hearts or our souls, the soil of our hearts or the soil of our souls in these different conditions at different times of our lives. Um, this idea is not my own. Uh, I encountered this way of looking at this particular parable in a little book called Parables from the Backside. It's not meant to be rude, but it's looking at parables from a minority point of view, from a slightly different angle. It was written by the late Dr. Ellsworth Callas, uh, former president of the Asbury Theological Seminary. Wonderful Bible teacher. He can just take the Bible, open it, and he preaches or teaches from it. No notes. Um, I first encountered him in Malacca at a Bible teaching uh, seminar in the early 90s. And then he came over to do the training for the Becoming Disciples Through Bible Study course that track had. And so he says that, you know, this parable uh, uncannily describes the seasons of our lives and how we at times receive or not receive God's word. And the first type of soil, according to the parable, is the path. And when you look at path, not our tarred roads or the little lanes that we, we go through, but if we say go off-road and uh, walk through ground that has been trodden. I think if you go to the youth park or any wayside, you will find that if a path has been at a, a, a section of the ground that has been regularly walked over, no grass grows, it becomes hard and beaten. It's well-worn. And it's hard for anything to grow on that kind of a ground. Anything that falls on it will just lie there. And so it's easy for whatever falls to be taken away. Even if it does start germinating roots, it cannot penetrate the soil. And so the devil is not slow in making sure that the word that falls into these kind of soil in our hearts has no chance to take a root. How many of us have had this experience? We read something from the Bible and wow, it speaks to us. 
And when we think about it, actually, we've read that passage many times before, but on that particular day, at that particular moment, it makes a difference in our lives. How many of us have had that experience before? We have, right? What was it about the other times that the word couldn't penetrate? The soil of our hearts may perhaps not have been ready to receive the word at that point in time, that particular word at that point in time. And so it fell. It lay on the surface. Maybe the devil took it off and we don't quite remember it anymore. And so it only takes root when our hearts turn to good soil. So there is a chance. It doesn't mean that when the soil of our hearts are well-worn like a hardened path, it cannot receive God's word. But there are also times when our hearts are beaten, battered by life, by grief and sorrow, by wounds and pain. It's kind of hard to take in God's word when our hearts are that way. Some of us who have gone through grief, deep grief, may know that in that moment, whatever words that are said to us, even scriptures and maybe especially scriptures, have very little effect on comforting us, on dealing with our hearts. Even if we know those words are meant for our comfort, but there is no effect. In grief, very often our souls cannot take in God's word as yet. And so they are like that hardened path. There are other times when we find ourselves perhaps being cynical about what the preacher says about God's word. And perhaps we have had preachers and teachers who have made us cynical by the way they have taught and preached. I hope I'm not doing that. And God's word finds it hard to get into us to do its work. And there are yet other times when we delight in taking God's word, in analyzing it, in studying it, in trying to master it, that it stays in our heads but never moves to our hearts. And so the path is somewhere between our head and heart. It falls on that path and we do a lot of things with it, but it never gets down to our hearts to bear the fruit that it was meant to bear, that transformed life. And so we need to recognize that there are seasons that our soil cannot quite take in God's word, and the devil takes advantage to carry it away. But we do not give up because God does not give up on us. And there will come a time when the soil of our hearts will turn and we can again receive God's word. And when the time is right, God's word will take root. The second <clears throat> soil is the one that is rocky. 
And these, the seeds that fall on this kind of soil germinate and grow. They begin putting out roots. But Jesus said, not a lot of roots. They have, actually, he says they have no roots. Yeah? There's nothing to anchor them in that shallow soil. They don't put out enough roots to hold them in that soil. And so when attacks come, they wither. The roots have not been able to grow deep enough to find water to sustain the seed. And so it doesn't grow to bear fruit. Very often when we read this, it's taken to mean uh, the times of testing, some have read it as persecution. And we don't suffer the kind of persecution like some of our brothers and sisters do. But we do face trials and tests and difficult times. And for some of us, at some point in time, these trials are so intense that they become the main focus. And God's Word finds it hard to penetrate or to put down roots into our soil because the trials have occupied us so much that the soil has become just a shallow surface. We hear the word. It's not that we have not. We take in that word maybe enthusiastically. You know, some of us, when we hear the scripture reading, we nod very enthusiastically. How much goes in only after the effect we can tell. But because the trials and tests are intense or they overwhelm us, we can forget or forsake God's word. For others of us, we have seasons in our lives when perhaps we take on something enthusiastically. How many of us have gotten into either a hobby, a pastime, or something that interests us, but after a while we find ourselves kind of losing interest and, uh, okay, la, put it aside. How many of us have had that? Some of us have. And so, soil that is rocky is a little bit like that. We receive God's word enthusiastically, but after a while, every morning have to read God's word. Uh, fall asleep or uh, boring. Some of us read many things, uh, devotions from different places, commentaries, online, hard copy. And we find that when we take in so much, there's a lot of width, but no depth. And we risk getting mental indigestion. God's Word cannot put out roots into our hearts and have a chance to grow. Because in order to bear fruit, God's Word needs to put down roots. And so in seasons of life like this, we need to remember that the walk of faith is never solitary, never alone. It was never meant to be that way. The faith community comes alongside to walk with us in order to help us weather those trials and tests and encourage us until such time when the soil of our hearts are ready again to receive the word 
and to bear fruit. The third type of soil is one which has thorns. The seeds falling into that soil grow. It's not that they don't, they grow. The thorns grow with them. And you know what? That soil actually is, in a sense, good soil. Otherwise, the thorns won't sprout or the weeds won't sprout as they do. But because the thorns are there, they take away the nutrients from the soil, they take away the sunlight, and they take away whatever else that would allow that seed to grow well. And so the life that is in the seed is choked and they don't grow. In every stage of life, we have tasks and responsibilities to carry out. In our younger days, we have studies, we establish ourselves in our careers, we want to find a life partner, we want to set up a family, we need to take care of the children when they come along, and the list goes on at every stage. And these are all good things, necessary things even, but they can become larger than God in our lives, and they can choke God's Word out of us. It is a question of what we have at the centre of our lives. Will it be God and God's Word and everything revolves or falls into place around that? Or do we have all these things in the centre of our lives and God is somewhere at the edges, at the periphery? only getting our leftover attention and even that if we still have energy. Again, the community of faith, our small groups come in to encourage each other to keep God front and centre in our lives and to hold us accountable. But having said that, we ourselves need to be willing to be held accountable by our small groups. And it is a mutual thing. It is not always a one-sided thing. And that's what our small groups are about, to help us to walk with Christ, with God, so that we grow, so that God's Word has a chance to grow and bring about the fruit that God has sent it to bring. And then finally, there is the good soil which gives us a good, abundant crop. And there will be seasons in our lives when we receive God's word, it gets deep into our hearts, it takes root, and it brings about the transformation and growth to maturity that God intended it to bring. And these will be seasons. Some of us may have taken the time to prepare that soil, to pray, to carry out the exercises that prepare our hearts to receive God's word, to allow it to descend from the head down to the heart. Because if it stays in the head, that's fine with the devil because as long as God's word doesn't get into our hearts, no transformation takes place. As long as it stays in the head to be analysed, 
to be taken apart, to be interpreted and all the technical work done, fine with the devil because it will never bring transformation. It is only when it gets down into the heart and does its work that we will see the transformation and growth that God wants to give us. And so we see the fruits as we allow God's word to take hold of our hearts, to love more deeply, to have a deeper joy and peace in the Lord, to become more patient and kind and good, to keep faith under all circumstances and exercise better and better self-control. You know, when you plant crops, farmers need to be very patient. If they want a good crop, they need to do the work in preparing the soil and in scattering the seed and so on, uh, making sure the seed is watered and all that kind of thing. But at the same time, they also have to be dependent on the weather conditions and on other things over which they have no control. And then on top of it all, they have to patiently wait because plants don't grow overnight. Seeds don't grow mature overnight. And so the farmer needs to be patient to wait out the time. And so with ourselves, as we read God's word, to be patient and to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work, to cultivate the soils of our hearts and to trust God. We go through various seasons of life over the course of our life, and God never stops speaking his word into our lives. When the season is right, God's word will surely bear fruit. And that's why Isaiah can say this, for as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Isaiah speaking God's word to God's people. And so, let's also take note of this as we invite our friends to Alpha. As Sujin said earlier, it begins with prayer. And someone at the time of asking may be a bit resistant to that invitation we need to develop a bit of a thick skin. Jesus doesn't tell his disciples in chapter 9, if you read uh, what he says about sending them out, he doesn't tell them, uh, go and hide when they say no. Right? Be a bit thick skin, but don't give up. It is only at this point in time. We want to take time to continue praying for that friend. And in due time, when the soil of their hearts have turned, he or she will be ready to receive God's word. God's word is the light that Jesus brings to us. 
And the psalmist said it a long time ago, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, 105. Those who are attentive and hear and receive those words also receive life and understanding. You know how we use the phrase, ah, I see the light. That means I understand what you're saying now. And that's what God's Word does to us. It shines a light into our life, giving us understanding. And those who would not receive God's Word and refuse to receive will lose whatever else they already have. When we have God's Word and when we engage in it, when we live in obedience to it, we will then be able to live that good and abundant life that Jesus brings us. When we don't receive God's Word, when we don't live it, when we refuse to engage with it or practice God's Word, we will lose whatever it is that we have received and we begin to understand less and less of what God wants of us. So God's Word is not something nice for us just to read and have our minds tickled and leave it. Yes, it is good literature. In fact, the King James Version contains some of the most beautiful language, most beautiful English we can read. But God's Word is practical. It's to be lived and obeyed. And we see the effect of that word on people. Luke begins chapter 8 with describing the women who believed in Jesus and his teaching and followed him. And Luke ends this section of the text with Jesus' remark about who his family members are. You know, in that society where family is central to life in the community, Jesus saying that would have been the most shocking thing ever. It sounded like he was disowning his mother and brothers. He wasn't. We only have to look at chapter 19 when Jesus was on the cross and how he made sure that his mother would be taken care of to know that he wasn't disowning his mother. He was saying that to emphasize a point that those who are closest to him are those who practice his word. They belong in God's family. And so, my friends, we go through seasons of life that affects how we receive God's word. At the same time, we are called not to give up, for God has his ways of working, and even in the seasons of hard soil, God's word has a way of slipping in and lying dormant until the right time, that it will grow and bear fruit. God has not given up on us. God has not given up on our friends who may be resistant to his word. You and I should also not give up on our friends and on ourselves when it comes to allowing God's fruit, God's word to bear fruit in our lives. Let us pray. Lord,